friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and car enthusiast. That's the best you can do, Alex Dandino. (laughs) There was a lot, there's a lot exploding in my mind. These are off the riffs, and I was like, I don't want to have to redo this. (laughs) that's <laughs> fair that's fair. fair all right before today's just oily dripping episode a little bit of business people it's official we are on patreon that's right patreon.com slash film alchemist pod the best way to get more of this show the best way to help us grow this show we appreciate it guys if you can do that that's patreon.com slash film alchemist pod we have a big patreon exclusive library over there where our patrons get a vote on the movies they want as uh, Patreon exclusives every month. We do mini-series. We do your commentaries. You can even have us record a double feature. But yeah, if you can, if you could be so kind and help us grow this show, we would appreciate it. Again, that's patreon.com slash Pod. the best way to get more out of this show and make it what you want and deserve. Thank you. Uh, the YouTube Film Alchemist, the Gmail... Well, email is at filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Uh, we're on all the socials you're on. Find us. Please help us. Also, make sure you leave us a five-star rating and review. Not a one-star White Sox 2020, you little devil ya. But thanks for taking time to support independently run podcasts. Thanks for that, buddy. Are we really uh, that annoying? I, mean, I can't tell anymore, so. Probably. Someone else is probably halfway through their terrible review right now, and they're like, preach. No. (laughs) Awful. I was going to say, at first I was mad. I was like, why take time out of your day to just shit on guys doing this, you know, trying to build something? And then I was like, eh, but at least he tried it. I think most people don't even try it. I I think the really important part is he actually tried. I I truly do appreciate the effort it takes to click Click one star and write annoying, and that's yeah, it. that's the thing. He went through the work, and I appreciate that. It is your prerogative to do what you want with what we make. Thank I you. Truly appreciate it, fella. Uh, another another personal plea, guys. If you could go uh, support my movie making collective, the Misfit Parade. We're on all the social media. Uh, our movie, He Sees All, won Best Micro Short at Days of the Dead. So that's over there on YouTube. If you want to watch. Misfit Parade, we need to start growing that following too. Uh, so go on over there and review bomb us uh, there as well. Really get really get it out, man. Hit us wherever you are. Uh, but we would appreciate that, Misfit Parade. Uh, thank you. Thank you. All right. I didn't do my normal screaming transition intro to the show. Well, it's probably because this, this movie... movie screams on its own. I think this movie requires a somber reflection. Yes. I think this movie requires us to get under the hood of the human sexual experience. In nineteen ninety, there's definitely a lot of oils being changed. Is there right? not? Yeah, you got to drip the fluids. You got to wipe the the wipers. You gotta you gotta do car stuff. You gotta do car stuff. You gotta tug the lug nuts. I'm trying to think of other car things. I don't know much about cars. You gotta tweak but the I spark do know, plugs. I do know that I've always thought guys that are way too into cars that it's definitely psychically linked to a sexual phenomenon somewhere. I just I've always known that in my mind. Uh, my brother loves to send me videos from like TikTok where it's guys with sports cars who seemingly only have them to hit the gas 
insanely faster than they never need to and watch giant breasted women in the passenger seats uh breast fight against the gravity and pull and g forces to not flop out of their shirts right so knowing these car guys which i am not one i've always assumed it was psychically uh sexual sexually related so today we're talking about david cronenberg's crash 1995 i believe um 96 96 i was actually watching it and i was like this might be the most peak cronenberg i would not say this is my favorite cronenberg I don't even know that it's the best Cronenberg, but I think it is probably the best. It's probably the best thesis paper on how David Cronenberg looks at us in the world we inhabit. Right? It's a movie that is constantly filled with sex, but could not be more cold. Right? The sex is sex is kind of the one thing that we have that it feels like we stole from the gods. Right? That for but moments brief flashing moments here we're like we're doing something that's worth not killing each other for sure sure usually usually yeah or if you watch investigation discovery it's the exact opposite of that you're killing them because you want more with someone else but sex is like the thing right that's the greatest thing we have as human beings right is an intimate sexual moment with someone that we like sure sure and this movie says not at all not at all that somehow this movie is the melding of cars and metal in our technological world is the natural evolution and now the penis has just been replaced by the car that if the car is not fucking penetrating it's hard for you to care about penetrating it's a it's an interesting movie i was even saying i was like i don't even know if i would call it pornographic even though i would a third of the movie is fuck scenes (laughs) but that's the thing that the sex in it is almost never titillating Right, which by Supreme Court definition, that's the right. It's hard to define, but you know it when you see it. This this feels. I mean, this the scenes in this feel more like a, a fucking horror movie murder than actual fucking. So, Alex, opening thoughts on Crash. Well, I'll say this: I feel like you just made the point of the movie right there by saying the scene, these like sex scenes, which yes, take up like a good third of the movie, aren't titillating to you. Because you do not combine sex with cars. So That's not true. It is. Um, so I'm not a Titan. I'm more of a crash than a Titan. Titan. So I'm no. more about sex in cars than sex with cars. Okay. Well, either way. Um, <laughs> that's. I don't want. This is get, why we get one stars. If, if we can, kind of if, if we cannot do that show today and reveal our personal sexual proclivities in such a way, that'd be great. Um, Alex, it's time to fucking open the hospital gown and just let the audience end, dude. If no way I to get knew this, this was going to turn into an episode of my weird obsession, I would not have woken up this morning to do this pod. No. Um. <laughs> I. It's interesting, you know. To me, so. This movie came out, and then it was like it was like this movie, Existence, Spider, and then he waits until and then a history of violence. So like, it's like two movies before a history of violence. And I honestly, you could have told me that 1996 he made Crash and then waited to make a history of violence because this feels like it's the beginning of that like run he does. Because you're right, it is like this cold vibe. 
But that's the same way I feel about history of violence, Eastern Promises. Like his movies are always very specific, insanely cold movies. about humans, right? Like he he doesn't have a lot of love for us as as creatures. But it's not even that. Like I, it, it's it's the vibe. Like I really think like it's this section of the his career that's very specific, which is why like it's weird that he made this movie and then Existence and Spider, because this fits much better with like the era of. Eastern Promises, History of Violence, uh, maybe even Matt. I think this stars. is kind of that perfect like meld, man, because you could, like, the flies like that. The brood is obviously insanely cold. Like, he just he just doesn't appreciate us besides these little fucking monsters of id. But it's not right, even that we are little same... fucking flesh bags and we have shit to do. Sure. I mean, but I think the difference is, like, for me. It's just an, it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting timing for what movies he's made for like the era he's in of movie making because like I think of him, you know he hasn't now he's going a little bit back into what we like the early Cronenberg right. stuff that we really well, love. well crime, crimes of the future is just a a less interesting version of this movie. Yes. Right. It's it's Cronenberg when he doesn't fully re- believe he has that fastball anymore, so he's really trying to fill the the sexual weirdness with set dressing rather than it just being present like yeah. this movie. It's yeah. just a really specific. It's a very specific thing, and I think what's interesting about a movie like this is it still has that sort of creepy aesthetic that i think that it's not creepy is the wrong word but there is just this undercurrent of like what could possibly be going on next that we're gonna watch these people do because again i i can tell you right now like i'm not i don't think car x are particularly sexy i also don't think cars are particularly interesting i have a lot of friends who do but i think conflating the two is really fascinating and i never read the book this is based on but um, it is like it's such a strange. It's not a strange movie, but to me, it is a strange. It, it 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 once you finish it, it fits. It checks all the boxes of like what Cronenberg likes to do. So the fact that it he made it is not surprising. I think the fact that he made it and it's this good. Mm-hmm is there's there's a harder line and i think he's the only he's the only director who can really do this kind of right well a lot of his movies would do these exact same kind of stories they would just layer them in this science fiction yeah right this one peels all that back and says this is just a kink story yeah right we start the movie off with you know fucking planes and nipples and cars right and then the very next thing we see is just fucking eating ass in a camera room and then we see those same two people trying to have sex on a balcony while they talk. I mean, monotone. It's like Decker's fucking voiceover in Blade Runner. <laughs> like, oh, have you, are you in? Have you penetrated me? Mm, yes, the camera girl. How was her ass? Mm, it was delightful. How was the fucking rotor on the, the pilot? Mm, yes, mm, he took me places. So the movie, const- and there's this, this trick the movie does that I love, right? Is they'll constantly juxtapose two different sex scenes. Yeah. Right, like we'll watch, uh, you know, Spader roll around in bed with his wife, mm-hmm. and it it very much looks like an like a Renaissance painting almost, right? Mm-hmm. Like even if it's a beautiful setup, it's framed well, they don't look like they are passionately having sex, right? And that shot will come directly after 
him and Holly Hunter just fucking ripping each other's clothes off in the parking lot of the airport as people are walking behind because they were just in a, a fender bender, right? So this movie constantly is juxtaposing sex and settings, and it, there's this, it feels as if there's no great reason or thrill for us to be alive in this movie, Yeah, right? It's constantly telling us that we're all just floating through this world. And even this guy, he's a fucking Hollywood director. He's just fucking banging hot people whenever he wants. His wife is cool with that. She's also banging whoever he wants. Nothing has made him feel alive until he sees a man die and his wife's titty hanging out in a car crash. And it's it's a bizarre thesis, <laughs> right? But I, I think the, the coldness, the cold gray nature of this movie... I think that is the fucking thesis. Yeah. I I mean, it's just, it's interesting to watch a movie where, like, <laughs> I don't know how to put this other than this way. Like, I've never seen people so uninterested in having passionate sex. Like, they're clearly. Oh, yeah, because there's no passion. They're, like, going through, like, they're, they're like, like, Kama Sutra, page 85. Even when they're, <laughs> like, I would say that scene, the scene where, uh, He's where Spader's driving around Elias Coteus and the prostitute, and they like fuck in the back seat while he's just driving them around. I was like, boy, these two are just wildly uninterested in penetrating each other. Like it is like just this weird sort of like, huh. All right, I guess right. We'll have he's sex doing in the his car. fucking classic mechanic seventy-two point inspection of her. Yeah, like I mean, it's again, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it is like going to the Jiffy Lube and be like, got it, cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's so. But again, juxtapose that, right? So there's the, hey, let's get a prostitute and drive around. James Spader's kind of watching, but there seems like where he'll peek in the rear view, but it feels like he's more, like he's okay in the theater of his mind, Mm -hmm. imagining them splattering because they're not buckled in, right? Like it's, it's, and then you juxtapose that, right? Probably the only time in the film we see him and his wife passionately making love. Right? I don't even know if anyone in this movie makes love, but at least fucking like they're enjoying it. Is when they're talking about Elias Cotea's scarred body. Yeah. Right? Because his, his body's all scarred and burned from these myriad car crashes, right? And so the wife's like, is his, is his erect penis scarred? What does his anus look like? Imagine it. And James Spader starts imagining it, and then he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to give her the old one, too. Right. And he actually starts getting into it. Right. And then it's like, did you talk about semen? Did you have his semen? Do you want it? And it's like, this is the weirdest talk dirty to me. <laughs> you know, it's most of us a, just want to be called like a name and smacked a, a little scene. like Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's such bizarre. A weird scene. But that movie to me, that movie in microcosm is, is Crash. That movie is David Cronenberg exposing himself that this is a man who's made a fucking fortune and a career off of placing before us misery and grotesqueries that he thinks have no fucking value, right? That he thinks everything we do has no value, that we're just these little fucking, we're led by hard-ons, essentially. Yeah. But he says, you show an audience this little bit of titillation, right? You show them this Elias Coteus and the prostitute in the back, and now they feel like they're alive. They feel like they're... So I feel like it is this really self-reflective film from him a lot of times 
And I feel like what he's asking us is, do you are you okay with the fact that you're part of the people in that house watching crash chest dummy footage? Right. He's like, you might hide it better than these people, but you are them. Yeah. Right? Except we're just like getting hot and bothered to the brood. Right? <laughs> but it, I don't know. It is, it's strangely self-reflective in this, I feel like. I mean, it's just... It's one of those stories that really, I mean, this is kind of strange. This is the first time we've watched one of a movie like this. And I'm like, I'd be very interested in actually reading the book. Cause yeah. I also know that like, I, 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 you know, there's like, there's other JG Ballard books out there that are very fascinating. And I'd be interested in reading this book, not because it's not even for accuracy. It's more just what was he trying to get at? Cause like, this What's is a so, movie where you're like a little bit of inner dialogue wouldn't could us. make could make or break it though. Yeah. Right? Cuz they kind of do this thing where they're all doing like an old hypnotist routine, right? Mm -hmm. Where they're just saying things out loud as if to fucking guide the other person where they want instead of them actually seeing yeah. each other. Well, See, I wonder if that inner dialogue would fucking break the illusion. Maybe? Cuz I I mean like maybe. There's just there's scenes in this movie where I'm and I think Spader's got Spader has a real talent for this. This is like sort of like hundred yard stare in a lot of movies, and it's because he's just got this vibe. But his hundred yard stare throughout this movie is just like fucking. You know, Elias Coteus is banging his wife in a car wash in the back seat, and he's just like, mm, yes, yeah. That's a he thing that's happening. His great power was he always just looked like a dick who would tell you he's better than you. Yeah. Help. So, like, you can put him in a movie like Crash, and you're like, yep, that tracks. That's what I always <laughs> thought about him. The moment I saw his dumb face, that's what I always thought. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's fucking awesome. Yeah. And, again, this is a movie that requires absolute 100% buy-in from the cast. Yeah. And everyone is so fucking committed to this piece that I, I, I would love to have known Cronenberg's pitch to them. Right? Because even though a yeah. lot of it's like, yeah, you're going to be naked, you're going to be doing these sex scenes, but... Not flattering sex scenes. No. Right? Like, people will now attach in their minds to you crash sex. Right? Which might work for a very small segment of the population. Like, I'm sure Jay Leno fucking loves this movie, right? Him and Seinfeld just fucking glaze each other watching this movie. Um, but for most people... I mean, this is like a real true commitment thing. So I, I would love to know how he sold this story to them. Right. And my guess is, is that he's like, this is my story. This is the David Cronenberg story. Interesting. I... I've, all, I, I've always thought that. I think this is him. I think this is the him telling, right? In the way that Close Encounters is Spielberg's kind of propagandized <laughs> oh fucking cereal box I, version. I, I, yeah, this yeah, is where I, Cronenberg's like, this is me. This is absolutely me. This man driving around looking for these fucking oddities to fucking titillate you. I I got to be honest with you. I, I can't. That can't a be a director in the lulls between projects. And all of a sudden he finds a new fucking bizarre subculture he can sneak into. That and get nuts. to me is not the pitch because I'm not sure I've ever watched a Cronenberg movie and not felt the way not felt that this is him. Like David Cronenberg is a very specific right. director. Right. And I've never watched a Cronenberg movie and thought that he's not trying to tell us something about himself through whatever movie he's making. So 
Right, but I don't think any of them, because they all have that fucking veneer. You can laugh at, or you can be awed by by the Brundlefly and not take that in more to that more personal level. This one has no fucking facade. The car I mean, crash to me is not I don't disagree not that facade. this movie is like, if, if that's what you're saying, I mean, I don't disagree that this movie is a walking id. Like, you could easily walk into... You know, you bring Spader and Holly Hunter and you're like, hey, guys, it's 1996 and I'm going to make a movie where you guys literally just fuck on camera a lot and right mono- and, m- monotonously discuss, you know, whatever. Right. And there are a lot of movies that have, you know, horrifying Hollywood stories about, you know, the classic sex sells movies. Right. Last Tango in Paris. There's all kinds of movies where, of like, these things go fucking horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think most actors, right putting myself back in my actor brain from years ago. If you're taking on this fucking movie, that's going to be a fucking extra intense and brutal shoot for you. Right? Like this is, it's uncomfortable in this. So there's a lot that the actor in their mind, you have to do the mental math of this is going to fucking suck. I'm going to be getting rolled around the back of the car in what looks like a fucking frigid, cold Canadian fucking, you know, early spring, late fall, whatever. Right. Just getting fucking slapped on by, you know, scarred actors and fucking people in robot suits and whatever. Right? They're going to flip it, hit it, maybe not twist it. Who knows? <laughs> what am I getting out of this besides being in a Dave and Cronenberg movie? And none of these actors needed a Cronenberg movie. They were all already established actors. So yeah. why would you take such a an aggressive project that's going to leave that taste in audience's mouth with you. Probably a small audience. I'm sure that's part of the calculation. But to I me, really it's because do. you fully trust Cronenberg, and I bet his sell was, I'm also going to be as exposed as you are. I mean, it's not unlikely. I, if I had you know, a time machine, never... I wouldn't save anyone. That's what I want to know now. That's my new... <laughs> I feel like I, I, I'm on to something. It's just such a it's such a fascinating thing when you watch a movie like this because there is a level of I think this is what makes people uncomfortable about movies sometimes is the level of truth you have to like sort of admit to yourself Mm -hmm. is that you have to watch a movie like this and say is this (laughs) each scene that this stuff's happening like is this hot? (laughs) You're like, yeah, you're like sitting there watching. You're like, am I, am I, am I turned on? What's, what's going on? That's the thing. As the movie goes on. Yeah. Yeah. More and more. Like, right. Like we, we get dragged into it. It's okay too. Like, but it is one of those things. Like it's a dangerous thing to make a movie that explores this. And then also you're quietly coming to grips with the fact that you are going along the ride and you're like, oh, oh, I feel so. (laughs) It's like, uncomfortable with myself now. Like it's such a strange. Do thing. I hate? Do I hate normal banging my wife? Do I need to get a golf cart and start wrecking it around? What's happening? <laughs> you're just sitting there, like, oh, am I weird? These people are because you start the movie. This is like a really fascinating thing about this movie. I love that this is what it does to the audience. Is you start the movie, you're like these people are fucking weird, man. I am not this kind of guy. And by the end, you're like. Okay, I can I can see how that could be interesting. Okay, this is... follow me for a second, but this operates the exact same way as the Frasier sitcom, right? Which is 
my dad, a factory working, like, no nonsense. Like, Ron Swanson, but, like, mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was kind of my dad when he was younger, right? He fucking loved Frasier. Right. And I don't know if it was just that he watched Cheers and so that. But if you watch Frasier now, that show is not built for people like my dad. Right. Until you get older and you realize the joke is that immediately you see this man and his life and the average factory worker is going to be like, fuck that guy. He's got it all. And then the show proceeds to just take the piss out of him and treat him like a pinata. Right. So it's a show that's telling my dad, the factory worker, hey, that fucking guy on the radio, that effete snob that you only see in sound bites that make him look good. That guy fucking sucks. And if nothing else, you could fucking knock his lights out, right? And so my dad watched it as this catharsis of hating the rich. In the start of this movie, it's like, who wouldn't want to have their wife look like that? Whose wife wouldn't want their husband to look like that? Who wouldn't want to have sex all the time everywhere we are in our cool fucking trendy modern apartment? And so you're set up immediately to be fucking... I don't know if jealous is the word, but I think more, I don't get jealous as much as I get immediately defensive. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like, Fuck those people. Fuck them. Uh, and then the movie proceeds to fucking take apart their life beat by beat. Yeah. To where by the end, you're almost like, God, can she just get a nut? Like, I feel terrible <laughs> for this woman. Like, can she just like have a fucking mimosa day and like, you know, enjoy herself at all? Because that's the weird thing, even as, because she's not technically a part of the kink society, or at least she shouldn't have been, right? She's brought in the exact same, her scene in, her first scene in the back of the car exactly mimics the prostitute scene. Yeah. Spader's driving, Coteus is doing whatever. There's no, there's no like, oh, this is my wife, hey man, can you be cool? Not even for a second. She's brought in, not to mention fucking brutalized while her husband is watching and driving. Right. And then husband's like, hey, can I get seconds where I just, like, kiss your bruises? And it's like, that that scene is fucking startling. But that's the thing, right? Is She is this woman who is not allowed to be a part of his thing. Even though he's found it, they go through the motions, but she's not really one of them. Right. Yeah, I I feel so bad for this fucking lady, right? But that's the thing is that they start off as that couple that were jealous and or hate. And by the end, you feel so fucking miserable for this poor woman. I think Spader kind of through his actions loses any sympathy you would have for him. Yeah. And so she has to become that vessel storytelling wise. We have to feel bad for someone, right? That we are all just the fucking... You know, dried nut stain on the fucking blanket of modern life. I love the idea of watching this movie and just like, I don't know who to feel bad for. Like, all these people seem to be in on on the same problem here. Yeah, who do I quasi-relate to for the love of fucking God? But I think that's what's so fascinating about going deeper into this movie is you are sitting there, you're like, oh my God, I actually have to relate to one of these people who's like, just like, psycho like so psychosexually messed up that car crashes like like we re- i think we relate to spader's like lifting pandora's box right that's a classic tale and we'd all do it right it's the don't press the red button a thousand percent we're pressing the red button right she is the victim of what's left over well, she is the one who suffers every price for the rest of the fucking movie sure i i actually I think the most, 
one of the most shocking scenes to me. And this was the thing. And actually, I was like, oh, we are doing like a this is like the most Cronenbergy thing about it is because it also is like almost an exact set piece was uh, when he and Rosanna Arquette go look at that car and then they have then they fuck in the car later and he takes off that leg brace and she has the videodrome yeah. vagina on the back of she's her leg. She's got the leg gina, yeah. Yeah, she's got the leg gina on the back. I it was really fascinating and I was trying to kind of like figure out cuz it's a set it's, you know, it's a it's a prop essentially that we've seen Cronenberg use before. Like it's not a thing that we're like, oh yeah, I don't. Mm-hmm. But instead of, you know, instead of a tape or anything like that coming out of it or anything, anything of the sort, like the way Videodrome was. Mm-hmm. Instead, it is just like this holy observance. And he, like, Spader's reaction's just this. He starts kissing this thing passionately. And yeah. it's this really strange thing because yeah. it's fetishizing Cronenberg. injury, not cars. But, yeah, to the point... It is fetishizing Cronenberg in a way. It's almost like this, this would be evidence a exhibit a of my fucking case is that 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 scene doesn't fit in this movie. Right. They're going to buy a car and she's using her her bodily trauma. Right. Right. And we watch this fucking normal square. Who's us. <laughs> right. Get all fucking hot and bothered under the collar. Trying to get this woman in the car of a normal body, enabled body, right? And that's right. what she says. She's like, I want to see how a normal person would sit in this car. Um, and so that abled body versus differently abled body and watching this guy see something different and unique and be titillated by it. Right. And then we go park that fucking car with no fucking car crash, not even a fender bender, not a fucking screech of the brakes, nothing. They go just park that car. And Spader is somehow aroused enough to have sex like he has been with only the car crashes. Only when there is physical carnage and trauma in the modern world right. can he fucking get nut. Why Why is this enough? Right? And because her body has become a car crash. Right. Right? And so we look at this, you know, maimed scar, right? This kind of vaginal scar. And again, I think that's Cronenberg showing to us this is what you wanted, right? This is what you came here for. Now, see, this is something I was thinking about is. Is this the scene, though, where Cronenberg actually says. Instead of it being like Cronenberg, Cronenberging himself, you know, where he's like just nutting all over his own project is what he's saying, actually saying what is what he's doing, actually saying. I know what you came here to see. Which yeah. is my aesthetic. This is the thing that you like to know about. This is the thing you like about my movies. Is like I do weird. You like shit. watching bodies that have suffered what I right. put. Them you through. like watching this. Bo- you like the body horror that I do. That's fine. So mm-hmm. here it is, and here's you, just fucking. Here the like the audience is James Spader just getting ready to blow all over this leg gina. and it's like because yeah. this is what you came for, right? Instead of like facing right. your own inner turmoil about your own sexuality i will give you this 
completely unfiltered metaphor that isn't really a metaphor at the end of the day. All it is is me use, reusing a prop that I have used in the past that you right. guys loved. That's it is infamous. shining the mirror on us. Absolutely. It's, yeah. It's awesome. I 100% agree. Fucking love it. And that's the thing. In a movie that is loaded with body trauma, this movie is nothing but body trauma. All body trauma. Besides the car crashes, besides the whatever, it's people who just cannot feel anything worth living for that to me is the ultimate body trauma is imagine a body where you're literally just fucking fighting back vaginas with the stick from my own personal experience i don't know if you're into dicks or whatever <laughs> whatever whatever you want in or out of you all the time right most of us spend a life trying to figure out how to get more of that right imagine that now you're drowning in it right you're the man who wanted to swim in a pool of jello and you fucking got your wish right right and all of a sudden, you're like, oh, shit, this doesn't make me feel better at all. To the point where now the thing that you were obsessed with offers you no value, relief, right. or even release on the, on the small zone. I think this is the this is the thing I also like. This is the thing I like about the back half of the movie. Like the last, the last 20 or so minutes of the movie mm. is all about the escalation of this. Like to admit to yourself that this is who you are is totally fine. That's part of life. Like it's okay to, it's okay to like the things you like. Like I would never besmirch someone's personal taste in that way. I do all the time, but at the same time, it's also one of those things. Where like I'm not going to sit here and say that my opinion's better than yours because we're different people. We're lucky you, White Sox 2020, <clears throat> Billy Jack. Um, what I was trying to get at was. <laughs> I do love how this is now going to filter in through the rest of our like pods moving forward. Um, if you try to flame me before I'm even up and having coffee, it's on my mind. Yeah. What I think is fascinating is the escalation of the fetish. Because that's really what the last 20 minutes of this movie is about. And really what the ending particularly is about. Like that last mm -hmm. moment between the two of them. Is the escalation of this fetish. There's only one place this goes. Because the only way this ends, the true nut, is exactly what Spader says. Like he doesn't say it, but like, well, essentially, we'll get to the ending. So actually, I, that's a point I really want to dig in. Right, on. But, but the escalation from like the leg gina to the tattoo artist, like the tattoo artist, like there's just the ramp up is so fascinating because it, again, it's a ramp up for sure in terms of like movie structure, but it's still so fucking cold <laughs> and like just n nothing there it's just it, it's your hand against a blank slate it's fascinating yeah I, I think it's always been the thing that some people can't bridge with cronenberg is that cold absolutely having zero love or affection for humans he only looks at us in so much as that we are part of a sideshow that he can tell stories about and i think for some people that's a hard bridge uh, you know, to walk across. That has never bothered me, right? As long as the squeeze is interesting, I can do that. But there are a couple scenes, right, that I want to talk about still. So let's talk about the, the recreation of celebrity car crashes. Sure. One, it's bizarre that it has to be celebrities, right? I think that's their, their permission structure to bring in normals, right? Right. But it's a fucking weird and bizarre moment in the movie that then uh, is busted up by the cops. So essentially, Elias Coteus' character. There's something really West Side Story about it, too. Like when the cops show up, everyone's like, scatter, scatter. 
it's it's a bizarre moment and again it's a, a moment that crimes of the modern times or whatnot just apes immediately like this is the surgery scene all over you watch vigo get surgerized watch elias coteas crash cars um the idea of it right the photos and the looking at photos and we have to recreate these famous people's deaths it stuck to me first that I thought it was about the famous people, but I think after a moment, that's just a way to fucking lure in normal people, right? The idea of coming to watch that, I think, is the point of these scenes, right? The point when Holly Hunter's at the house and they're watching Crash Test Dummies. Yeah. And she's mad because the tape pauses because she has to fucking get up. Yeah. And, of course, every time any of these scenes happen, there's just a chain, a finger chain, right? Just running through every genital in the scene. But what do you make of this car crashing theater? I mean, so the first, we we see, so it's the James Dean one was the one that, that gets you know West Side Story and gets broken up by the coppers. Um, sorry, I just the scattering is so funny to me. Like that was like what I was like, is this what the movie is? Like because it's early enough uh, in the movie where I was like, are we all just gonna be like, oh no, it's underground society of car crash enthusiasts like, scatter. I had to find this online to watch it, and the the fucking logline for this was like he finds a bizarre subculture of scarred underground car victims yeah, that I, are omnisexual. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? I, I remember reading, yeah, I remember reading like the yeah the scarred thing. I was like, yeah, weird. All right, but either way, um, yeah, I would have just write Cronenberg pornography with car crashes. Uh, I bet that would have sold immediately to most people. Though. I mean, so this is for me celebrity car crashes, like. In the context of this movie, not for me personally. Um, it is like the ultimate. It's the ultimate hero, like celebrity deaths, suspicious celebrities, tragic ones are all these sort of concocted hero worship stories like James Dean's particular James Dean drove like a fucking idiot. Like he yeah. was partic- He had he had he had to wear glasses like all, all the rest of us do. He had terrible eyesight. This is why he squinted. This is like this famous look that he had was because he couldn't see. He drove like a fucking maniac. And like, and you know, in like old Porsches too. So the fact that he crashed and died should like it. The eventuality, I think of it all is what makes it so legendary. So the fact right. that he lived fast, died young, that kind of thing. There's like, there's a legend. Well, I think especially that. James Dean, that's like a very obvious one for this movie. But then like in the middle, like the Jane's, the Jane's man, the Jane Mansfield one. I don't know anything about Jane's Jane Mansfield, by the way. Like I am. Not, I didn't know about these car crashes. No, I, I legitimately did not know she died in a car crash, but neither here nor there. I think that. When people die tragically, particularly when celebrities die tragically, mm-hmm. we eulogize them in a way that we sort of forget. Not that they were, you know, incorrect or like not that they were like bad people. Oh, lionization, yeah. But the lionization that we get for these people, and particularly like James Dean, like James Dean is an icon. James Dean did four movies, mm-hmm. like. Anybody else, like, ima- like, imagine, like, Fairly Granger, who I thought was a fantastic actor at the same time. He did uh, They Live By Night and a couple other movies, uh, Strangers on a Train. Like, great actor. We don't talk about Fairly Granger a whole lot. 
And it's well, because I think that's the was, thing, though, right? Yeah, he was it's, a guy. That, it's, it's that lionization, right? Is that he is becomes an avatar for those of us who want to make bad choices? Of course, right? We're not making that's a bad great choices. Way to put it, actually. We're living to the fullest, right? Yeah. We're li- we're living it up while we're here, and it's like, well, you're not going to be here as long. That's right. fucking fine. And it's like, well, and some people make that fucking mental math, right? Uh, I also can't be fucking throwing rocks from a glass house, I guess, in that regard sometimes. But I also wouldn't expect all my friends to be like, man, when he was in that that partying all the time phase, he was just doing what we all want to do. Right. It's like, no, no, I lived that part. But I think this is fascinating, right? Because I love that scene if you juxtapose it with, where that's the word of the day. I hope you're not dead from drinking shots every time I've said that. Um, I love putting it next to the scene where they come across the real car crash. Yeah. Which is funny because that scene feels more fake than the first car crash. But so Elias Coteus does this. He he's he knows it's not real. So the titillation can't get to where he wants it, right? And I think this is where we start watching his unraveling. Is the scene where somehow they're allowed to just roll up on this accident, cut off everyone, and no one's fucking honking and screaming at them. <laughs> This is the it moment where this, the surrealism of the movie set into me. Yeah. Right? And I don't think Cronenberg's one of those, like, cop-out artists that's like, Spader died in that crash, and this is his fantasy. Right, right. I don't believe that. But, like, the weird, they're fucking in the hotel parking, or the airport parking lot, and, like, no one stops. Mm-hmm. No one looks. We see, like, multiple people walk past it, and no one's like, oh, that's cool. It's peculiar. You wouldn't stop. Neither here nor there. But when he sees the real thing. And Elias Coteus even gets out. He's walking around the crime scene. No one reacts to him as if he's a human being. No one interacts with him at all. He's walking around getting pictures. Uh, he's posing the wife there. Right? Close enough that they got blood splattered on their car. Right? Yeah. And so they're able to move with impunity through this fucking horrific car crash. So a real unreality sets into this moment. This kind of like fucking foggy, dreamlike scene. Yeah. Which I don't really understand why that choice was made, I guess. I've been trying to run that one through my brain. But the big important part, there's there's kind of two great things that this scene serves, right? Which is one, Elias Coteus sees that he is a fucking poser. Because his partner dies with the James Mansfield's wig still on the ceiling of the car. Yeah. He's got the tits in, but the wig's on the car, right? And he's like, you did it without me. You went without me. And he's upset. And the other thing is him watching, like, running around taking the photos, and he drags the wife into it. And now he's posing her amongst the carnage, even though she's alive, and her body is still fully intact. There's a strange scene where she sits next to a woman smoking who seems to have been a part of this accident. Yeah. And so I think that moment, too, right, the showing this is the real deal and you guys are faking. But what do you make of that scene, the fucking... Why does that feel less real than the fucking theater of the cars? This is a really bizarre moment in this kind of minimalist movie to me. I think because I think visually what's happening is Cronenberg is sort of it's because that is like kind of one of like those. That's the tipping point moment in the movie. But I think what's interesting Mm -hmm. is Cronenberg uses it as the tipping point to what we were talking about earlier to like sort of flip us all on our ears mm-hmm. and say like, cool. I know you kind of haven't been with me to this point, or you haven't been necessarily with our care with our characters to this point, but 
now that you're in it, now that like there's an emotion attached to this, mm-hmm. now what I'm going to do is like you're all going to feel a little funny for the rest of this movie. I really think that scene is him actually confronting all of us and saying mm-hmm. like you're now going to have to take this journey. Again, with this the rest is you. Yeah, this is like, why you guys are here. You're now going to have to confront these like maybe awkward feelings for the rest yeah. of this movie is I'm going to do weird shit and you all yeah. might feel a little funny and you're, you know, you everyone might feel a little movement down there. I don't know what to tell you. But. Hey, yeah. You wanted to come here and see this and now you feel uncomfortable that someone's posing in the car with dead bodies. Yeah. Like this is like, I, I really, that is such an interesting scene because I truly think it's one of those moments where it's like, guys, you're here. If you're not feeling right. anything yet, now now is the time it's going to start. I think you're the feel, movie tells on itself a little. Yeah. yeah, I think the movie tells on itself a little in this regard, right? When yeah. he gets out of out of you know fucking hospital jail, he now has this new kink, <laughs> this new exploding kink. Yeah, and he says, "Man, have you noticed how much fucking traffic there is? A world of possibilities open them. Every one of those cars is in a a potential nut. Yeah, right. Every one of those cars could hit him and send him into a fucking orgasmic frenzy that would dehydrate him to death. You never know. By the end of the movie, they keep saying the exact opposite. Where are all the cars? The further down this road he gets, I think the cars represent opportunities at joy. Yeah. Some, I think he's one of these guys, right? You find a new hobby, you get really excited. Oh, that burns out fast too, and you're still just sitting there confronting all the same emptiness. And so I think this scene is that pause where now there's going to be less cars, right? It's a, it's a weird kind of surreal piece to add in the middle of the film, but it also inherently sets us up for the last shot, which again, James Spader just fucking parks in the middle of a fucking exit ramp. No one cares. No one stops. But yeah, there, so now the weird, it's this, there's way less cars for him and Elias Coteas. Yeah. Who now is just trying to run them over in real life. He just fucking wrecks his car trying to kill them on the freeway for no reason. Other than now his partner in sexual crime has been killed and he's That's got, all. but they already had sexual gratification. The two of them together did nothing. And saying. then once he do, he immediately, Spader runs to a wreck and Coteas hits it. Right. Because they're like, oh, this is not enough. What I'm saying is like, this is the this is the part that this last like that scene and then the final scene. These are all the escalations that occur with this kind of thing, leading to like the ultimate, you know, nut, which I guess is death, which is weird. Yeah, we have to stop saying it that way because I would say the end of this movie is the bluest of ball. <laughs> That's ever lived, and I think that's the exact point. Oh no, he's just, right? they're trying to get to that last nut. They're just saving it. That's all. Well, it, it's almost as if right, uh, Vaughn dies right in a fiery car wreck, mm-hmm. and then Spader goes and gets his car and immediately proceeds to hunt down his wife. Yeah, and wreck her. Which I still don't. There's something about that car, right? I think his wife earlier in the film had called it a bed on wheels, and it must smell like nut. It's a bed on wheels. Yeah. And so maybe that car becomes this, you know, I don't know what the fuck it's, I mean, I mean, this seems like film student shit, right? At this point to be like, oh, it's, it's the, the fucking fully engorged dick, right? It's the dick driving around, num, 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 like Pac-Man looking for vaginas. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> um, 
I don't know what it is. Like, it's a Christine thing. Like, he buys the car, and now he's like, I'll be the new Vaughn. This, if I if I had to have a critique of the movie, it's that the motivations at the second half of the movie make no sense for me, right? Beyond that these are people whose kink is no longer giving them release, so now they're just fucking lashing out at the world. Seems a little nihilistic to be interesting to me at times. Sure. But... I don't really understand why he's got to hit his wife, right? Why Vaughn had sex with a prostitute, but it seemed like he was more into hurting Spader's wife. Like, why Why are we making these leaps, right? But I do think this final bit on the, uh, the hill is pretty interesting, right? Because mm-hmm. he runs her off the road, he runs down. The first thing he does is look all up in the car, right, before he checks on her. They start talking, right? And essentially all that. they're saying... <laughs> Yeah, all they're saying fucking boils down to she keeps saying, I think I'm all right, just keeps repeating it. And he keeps saying, maybe the next one, darling. There's no release. There's no one coming to help. This is literally the coldest shot in the movie. And he just starts kind of fiddling with her slowly. And I think he's back to, I think we're back to that, if not interesting looking, boring and un-igniting sex from the start of the movie. I mean, isn't that kind of fascinating, though, that, like, we've gone through this whole mashup, like, forgive the wording, but mashup of this psychosexual fetish, and now the fetish is not enough. We're back where we right. started. Like that, I think is the most fascinating thing about the movie. And what Cronenberg tells us is, we went through this entire movie and no one's satisfied. The only people who are satisfied yeah. are fucking dead. Well, I and I don't even. I mean, they're not satisfied. They're just out. Right? Their well, misery has come the, to an but end. That's the idea. Is like the achievement was death because that's why yeah. you fetishize these famous right. people who die. I'm with that. So the ultimate, you know, the last. You know, your last nut is the death. Well, yeah, we see at the end, Holly Hunter and um, the other lady, they're just wrestling in the back of a car in a junkyard. Yeah. Cops are kind of sniffing around. I was like, are they going to get busted? All right, doesn't matter. And yeah, they're just back to this fucking uninspired sex. He's like, I did the thing that Vaughn did, and it's not working. Right. And so I think when he says, maybe the next one, darling, is maybe she'll find the next kink, the next high, the next thing. And maybe he'll be fucking running her down I trying I, to keep up with her thing. I think I like that better than the other hypotheses I've I've read about the ending of this movie, which is that he some people like the other read on that is that people think maybe he's referencing death. Like the next time, I'll we'll just fucking kill each other, essentially. But I yeah, kinda, but I like I, I like what you said better because that makes more sense to right. the point of the character. Her line, her line to me is what would send someone down that rabbit hole. Right? Yeah, I'm yeah. all right, and she's fucking not all right. She's clearly not definitely okay has internal injuries for sure. And so, but I think it's a misery. I think it's a there is no escape. So for me, I don't think it's death i think it's her saying i'm all right is trying to keep engaging in the kink in a weird way sure 
and him saying maybe the next one will work for us. That's that's how I've always read it, at least. I like that. I better. think what this like movie is telling us. Yeah. Death is the ultimate release. All this shit that we worry about, everything we make art about, everything we cry about at night. None of that matters when our time comes. Right. The lights go out. And if we're lucky, our energy's reincarnated somewhere. That's it. Nothing else is coming. We don't go live in a fucking busy car crashed freeway in the in the sky, right? We're done. Right. And so I think this is a movie, if it has one thing it wants us to take away, is that there is no escape from what plagues humanity, right? And Cronenberg's not going to save us and himself, and his movies aren't going to save us. There is no fucking release at the end of the day. And even these small false releases are going to all leave us laying on the side of that hill. I mean, yeah. I, it's a very film student thing to assume every fucking metaphor is about death. I think so, too. I, I'm guilty I like, of that, too. But. No, I mean, like, it happens to all of us. I do prefer, though, the interpretation that, yeah, it's just the next thing is the next thing. I, I yeah. Because that is that is the human, that is what human nature is. Not that, like, there's yeah. the concept that we're all basically <laughs> just hurtling towards our own death. On purpose. I get it. I prefer, though, that this... That this, makes it seem like an exciting death. <laughs> these people, particularly, though, are looking for the next... You know? I, I prefer right. that. Well, there's a great scene. This is what I'll make my final argument for that, right? There's a great scene in the middle when Spader and Kateas are driving around. Right. They're driving without breaking the law, it seems. They're maybe going a little fast. A garbage truck pulls right out in front of them. Yeah. And he hits the brakes and turns to dodge it. Why on earth do that if your kink is just to die in a fiery car crash? Take that fucking thing head on and fucking die in your convertible with no seatbelts. Do you think it's like the equivalent of, you know, you're watching somebody's watching you're watching porn and you're jerking it and then it cuts away to the thing you didn't want to see and that's when you nut oh man someone texts you and you're like no god no no <laughs> no no, um, no 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 i think what it is is i think the movie's reminding us that that death and carnage is not the point right the selective searching for the kink moment where they're in control mind you so I think in that moment, the movie un reveals itself. If they wanted to just be fucking in car crashes for bodily carnage and jerking off or whatever, they could have fucking slammed into that garbage truck. And it's a really small moment in the movie, but that one to me is like, oh, that's that's the trick right there. Yeah. Right? Is that Elias Coteus is a fucking poser. He is a guy pretending that this is his, his fantasy because it's not a recreation of a famous crash. He doesn't want to be in a generic crash. And so at the end, I think it's him pushing it as hard as he can, grappling with the fact that he's full of shit, and he finds out. Nature comes for him. Fair enough. Which I would imagine is not the release he wanted. Exactly. So that to me, I think the movie is telling us specifically the intent is not a search for death. I think it's much sadder. I think it's our entire lives, right? It's we all either want it to be a fucking epic tale or it to be over. But most of the time, our alarm just goes off early. We wake up not feeling great, but well, we got to get shit done today. And we just plod through. We buy groceries. 
We walk our dogs. We lay our head on the pillow and we say, maybe tomorrow. Maybe the next one. That's what I think this movie's reminding us all of. Which is fucking sad as fuck. But how many people go to bed every night and say, maybe tomorrow will be the day that I start my story? Everyone? Maybe. Yeah, most? 99.9%? Um, If you're lucky enough to be in a country where you can worry about things like that instead of, you know, surviving. Yes. Um. But yeah, I think that I think the point is a specifically anti-death message. But final thoughts on this movie, man. It's 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 just an oddity that only a master like Cronenberg could kind of deliver us through, where it doesn't feel cheap, it doesn't feel pornographic, even though it definitely has fucking a lot. It feels like we're still in an artistic bargain with him, even though. And I think there's a sad fucking self-portrait in there. I don't know. I I find this movie really fascinating. It's not one that someone would be like, hey, man, let's smash some beers and drink Crash. You'd be like, oh, woof. You know, like, not a movie I'd want to fucking hang out with all the time. Right. Because most days I don't want to fucking confront my nutless mortality. Hmm. But it's a. I think it's a fucking powerful piece of work, man. I do love this movie. Yeah. I, I really appreciate it that it just really shows this is why I wanted the Oscar. It shows a great deal of L. <laughs> Sorry. I had to do one wrong crash joke and that was the, yeah, that was right. the one. No, I, um, <laughs> I do. It's a fascinating thing that only Cronenberg can do to like, sort of really not just hold a mirror up to his audience, but like shove it down their throat and be like, yeah. from the inside, you will be watching yourselves. Yeah. It's, and to himself, man, he gets everyone. He's. Just, I, I think it's his. This is why again. He's, that's why I say it's Pete Cronenberg. Yeah, I think it's the peak of what he was always trying to say. Stripped down of the fucking science fiction facade. Stripped down of the body horror, but he actually became so good at body horror, he just used our bodies. You know, I. Again, I think it's that the the two lies we tell ourselves: I'm okay, I think I'm all right, and maybe the next one. And I think that is one of the scariest things he ever fucking committed to film. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I find it a, a powerful, fascinating movie. That's it for Crash. Uh, we need a refractory period from Crash Ugh. to recover, drink some Gatorades, replenish our electrolytes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good movie. Actually, uh, so we're doing a thing now, guys. We're not going to do these double features when we have extra weeks in a month. We decided we're just going to talk to our patron friends. So one of our patron friends, a wonderful Australian man, Brody Kane, uh, who I talked to on Instagram here and there. Lovely really man. nice guy. Shreds on the guitar. Cool dude, right? Loves horror movies. But this was one of them. He hit me up and he's like, man, you guys should talk about that sometime. So we're going to try to use these extra weeks we have in the schedule to talk about shit that our patrons uh, want us to talk about. If you want to be a part of that conversation. Find us at patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. Uh, it means the world to us that there are people out there that support the show. As we said earlier, even people that turn it on and don't like it and make fun of us, we still just thank people for participating at this point, man. Um, so thank you guys, not only for participating, but for helping support the show. We love you guys. Uh, the YouTube Film Alchemist, the email filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. We're on the socials. Leave the five-star ratings and review. And please go follow 
Misfit Parade everywhere you can and watch our uh, short film He Sees All. That would be awesome, guys. Uh, great. For the film Alchemist, thank you. I don't know about that. You will see my son in it. You will see my lovely little son in the movie that he's not allowed to watch, which you'll understand. <laughs> uh, for the film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. <laughs>